Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel along with John Tromley. And with today's episode, we're going to be focusing on oaths, uh, the verses from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Good to see you again, John. Good to see you. We uh, are back on the on the saddle. Last week we were getting ready to record, and uh, we had a little bit of a, of a sickness uh, that prevented yes. us. But I'm glad the Lord opened up another door so that we could uh, get this podcast recorded. Yes, if you don't have children, don't have them. That's the message <laughs> of to. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, we're actually <laughs> going to be looking at. I mean, you talk about relationships of fathers with children mm -hmm. and Jesus uh, is going to be focusing precisely on what causes our children to love us so much and mm. is the fact that they can trust what we say mm. um, which is important you yes. know I, it's funny you, you you bring this up because this just this past uh, week uh, my daughter was telling me some of the things that I told her in jest mm. as she was growing up and she ended up believing them and uh for the longest time, just in the, as an example, and I think it's you know appropriate to share the story. Uh, for some reason, we were at a strip mall, and I told her that if we took a bag from one store into another store, that they would arrest us. So poor Emma, for I don't know how long of her life, <laughs> thought every time we took a, a bag from one store into the other that we were breaking the law and we were going oh, to get arrested. <laughs> Walking into Kroger's with a bag from Myers. Right. Oh, mom, stop! Right, exactly. So it took her a while to realize that that was one of those things that Dad told her that wasn't true. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have some uh, encouraging, maybe corrective uh, statements from Jesus. Uh, we're gonna be looking at Matthew, chapter five, verse thirty-three through thirty-seven, that says the following: Again, you have heard that in the ancients were told, "You shall not make false vows." Uh, but you shall fulfill your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, or for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statements be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond this is of evil or mm -hmm. the evil one. Mm -hmm. So do not tell your children that <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be arrested when they're not when it's okay <laughs> when it's legal. <laughs> so right now it's is this is not a very difficult one to understand, but it's certainly a difficult one to practice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I almost feel like uh, this one kind of gets overlooked. Um, you know, you go through adultery and murder and and adult i think i already said adultery marriage and then and then he says hey and don't make any oaths and i think we just kind of slide by this one but maybe because of the language right i mean if you ask me ariel when was the last time you made an oath mm -hmm. uh, i don't think i ever did right but if we were to ask when was the last time you made a promise right you know, exactly that's, that's what that word means mm -hmm. um we are a John, and I speak from my own experience, I am very comfortable in breaking my promises. Well, I, yeah, we are. As, as, you know, again, as human beings, we are. Um, you know, this was something growing up uh, that I, I, I wanted my, my word to be my bond, right? Mm. And so this was something that I always worried about. And, you know, joking with about as far as with children, 
I never promise my kids anything. And I, I always, I make a point of that. Like, you know how sometimes your kids will say, hey, you promised you'd take us to the store. And I'll always say, no, I never promised that. Because I, because of this, I want what you were just saying. I, w- I want my kids to understand that if I say something, that it's true. Mm. And I don't want to, I, I never wanted to make the mistake of, even though obviously I have, of, of breaking promises and hurting them. And if we understood that, I think we would be way more cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the culture, if it's the culture, or if it's just what you see around us. And, and maybe, John, what, what you said is true, you know, that you grow up as a child and you hear your uncle, you hear your dad, you hear other adults saying, you know, I promise you. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out that that promise was false and everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. The sky doesn't fall down. Right. People's heads don't fall off. And so you're like, well, making, making a promise, but not really carrying it through to its fulfillment that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so more like, much like the word friend, right? When Jesus says, I have called you friend, friend really has come to mean anything. Friend now means an acquaintance. Right. Friend means someone you actually remember their name. But for Jesus, friend was, you're willing to lay your life down. Exactly. You know, that, that's a friend, someone you're willing to die for in a most literal sense. And oaths and promise in our culture of, you know, you, you need to have contracts, you need to have co-signers. <laughs> Why do we need all of that? Because people have promised to make payments for certain things and not follow through. Right. My father-in-law tells you that in Puerto Rico, uh, this is, you know, speaking about the culture, and I guess this must have either come from Spain or somewhere, but when two older men were speaking about something and, and I assured you or promised you or made some sort of a deal, uh, they said that they would take a hair from their mustache and pluck it out and give it to you. God forbid. I know. I'm like, ah, who came up with that one? Right? Right. What happened to the handshake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he said that, um, it, but it, I guess because of the pain and the discomfort, hmm. um, some of that probably carried to the, this is how I'm going to assure you that what I am telling you is true. Boink! I'm wow. going to pluck a hair from my mustache and <clears> you, you carry that. And if I ever break that honor, because I guess it was a sense of, it, my, my honor is at stake here. And here's a token. And maybe that's not necessarily bad of a, of a symbol because I'm thinking about, you know, a Laban and Jacob when they're about to separate and they put that little mound of stone as a reminder that Jacob would not cross that boundary to harm Laban <laughs> and Laban would not cross that boundary to harm Jacob. It was kind of like a reminder. Mm-hmm. But it was not necessarily as, as a way of, of enforcing the other person to live up to what they promised. They, right. had, they had made an agreement. This will be a reminder for our generations. But today, contracts are not to remind me that I owe Verizon or AT&T. The contracts is not to remind me that I have to pay my rent. A contract is people assume that I will not pay if I don't have to. Right, right. When I buy a car, the car dealership makes me sign like four different contracts, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to make sure that they will get their money. Right. And the banks do the same thing mm-hmm. because they know that if they don't, People will become come up with excuses, kind of like what we do with our kids. You know, I promised I was going to take you to the park, but mm-hmm. and so I promised I was going to pay you back, Chase Bank. But you know, <laughs> well, I find it interesting. You know, you know, Jesus talks about this right after he talks about marriage yeah. and divorce. And you know, you think about marriage, 
<clears throat> and people go into that with all the best intentions. I promise I'll, you know. And there are oaths that they take before the exactly. church, before yeah. God, before families. You know, I will mm -hmm. cherish you, I will love you, etc. So yes, you, marriage is right there. And then, you know, what the problem is, like you're saying with, with the other contracts, 75% uh, of marriages end up in divorce now. Mm. So what happened to all those promises, right? What, what happened there? So I think it really points out you know, when Jesus says, don't make an oath, because what do you have as a human being? What do you have to promise ultimately? Because that's what an oath is. It's a promise of behavior. I'm going to do something. And and I think this is where we fail a lot of times as Christians. So let me go back to my first question, though. What, what you know, what do we have really to say, um, I'm going to do this? Mm. Look at me. I'm going to do whatever it might be. And oftentimes we do this with God, don't we? We say, I'm going to give this up. Mm. God, I'm going to give this up. And we, and we promise we're going to do it. And then what happens? We might trip up. Sometimes it, it's successful, sure. But other times we trip up. And then what do we do to ourselves after that? Mm. Now we no longer want to come to God, who really what we should have said is, God, please help me with this, as opposed to, I'm going to do this for you. Mm. I'll do this for you. Um, what this does is it puts us in this place where we're always failing. We're always failing as opposed to um, coming to God because God is truth, right? God, he can make the oath. God can make the oath, but we, we can't. You know, you're talking about uh, our incapacity and it makes me think of um, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. um, why, do I, why do I speak broken promises? Because it's a broken heart that is speaking them. Right. Um, you know, it's like a person with a broken tibia saying, I'm going to run a marathon. Exactly. You know, they just you know, impossibility. And maybe this oath taking, when Jesus says, don't make an oath, he's not saying it's sinful to do it. He's not saying, if you make it, I'm going to come after you, but rather don't do something you can't. Right. Um, address the issue in your heart, because when you ask the when I ask the question, right, when I, when my parents would ask me, are you telling me the truth? I promise you, I'm really, really telling you the truth. And he's speaking here of a cultural uh, practice of, like Jacob with his father, mm -hmm. right? Is this, how did you get this food so quickly? The Lord, your God, help me. Mm. You know, and so we say, I swear to God. Right. You know, but even that phrase doesn't bring any level of credibility to anyone anymore. Right. So Jesus is saying, because you're broken, you begin to experience that people begin to doubt your words. Mm -hmm. Not just your kids, not just your spouse, but society in general, because society in general has, has seen the, the, the marriage vows be broken, the political vows be broken. There's just uh, uh, this overall uh, awareness that we just can't trust other humans. Right. So therefore we need contracts. So don't think you'll be the exception. And so you will be tempted to try to bring credibility to your words by saying things like, I swear to you on my mom's grave. Mm, mm -hmm. And Jesus says, I swear to you on my head. Um, <laughs> don't, number one, because um, someone may actually cut your head off if they, if they find out that you're lying to them. Mm -hmm. But beyond just harm coming to your way, you will find yourself that no matter how much superlatives you add, you know, I swear to you on this and I swear to you on that and I swear to you on, on whatever, all you're doing is increasing the level of in incredulity. People will have more reasons to not believe you. Um, 
So bring it back down to the, 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 the issue is the heart. Right. Just say yes and just say no. Right. You know, and you're, you're bringing up this oftentimes the, uh, the third, it's the third commandment where uh, do not use the Lord's name in vain. Mm. And often people just chalk that up to, you know, swearing. But it's more than that. Yeah. It is what you're talking about. You're saying, I promise on, you know, on God that I'll do whatever. Or bring God to try to uh, validate your lie. Exactly. Because Jacob, mm -hmm. that's what he did. He's like, man, if I tell my dad, of course it is that. I, I, he's, but he brings God into the picture. Or your God helped me catch it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's bringing God into the picture. Therefore, right. um, so trying to bring credibility to my lie by evoking someone else's integrity, those are red flags of a heart that is broken mm -hmm. when it comes to making promises and keeping them. Right. You know, there's an instance where Jesus heals a paralytic man. He's brought down through the roof. And before he heals him, he tells the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's scandalized. You know, all the Pharisees are scandalized like, who does he think he is that he can um, forgive sins? Who does he think he is? And Jesus makes a statement, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or get up, pick up your mat and go home. Right. And people, I've studied with people that are just starting to read the Bible. And when I ask them, why do you think Jesus asked that question? They're, they're sitting there thinking, I don't know. And so I asked them, can I say to you, your sins are forgiven? Is that easy to say? Yeah. Oh, I get it. Anyone could say, hey, your sins are, I've just forgiven your sins because there's no outward demonstration. But to say to a paralytic, get up and walk, if that man doesn't get up and walk, then my words are just... They mean nothing. That's right. right. So the question Jesus was saying is, which is easier? Yeah, anyone could say, I forgive you your sins. But in order so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, mm. I say to you, get up and walk. Um, it's easy to make a promise. Anyone can make a promise. Just like any human being could say, your sins are forgiven. Actually, there is a religious system <laughs> right, that right. teaches that there's these humans that can actually forgive you your sins. And the reason people can believe that is because anyone really can say it. Mm -hmm. But to make it a reality requires substance and it requires truthfulness and integrity. And so Jesus is saying, my words matter. Every single one of my words are real and are truth. Mm -hmm. Our words are the problems. We exactly. can make promises all day long, but the, the ability to keep them is not in us. Right, and you make me think of uh, Jeremiah 17, uh, 9, or mm. I'm sorry, yeah, 17, 9. Yep. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So what we're dealing with is, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light, and... Or on the flip side of that coin, you can deal with your heart that mm -hmm. is deceitful and who can trust it. I am the lie. I'm the darkness. Right. I am the crooked way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are That's us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't have the capacity, but we want to. I mean, sin has taken away our ability to be, but sin has not taken away our desire to be. Mm -hmm. And, and Paul, Paul speaks about that, you know, that mm -hmm. I can consent that the law of God is good, that the law is righteous. But I find that in me, there's just no way that I could keep it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus here is saying, you know, why torture yourself? Why, why put a burden upon yourself that you cannot keep? So stop swearing on heaven. Stop swearing on earth or anything on earth. Stop swearing on your own life, on your own head. 
um, because really no matter how difficult you make it or how much how big you make the promise to be you will not make the it will not give you the ability to fulfill it there's something deeper that has to happen and we go back again to the theme of righteousness you know righteousness is not a condition it's not a divine vaccine righteousness is the presence of god through jesus christ in my heart through the holy spirit christ dwelling in me and since christ is the truth he makes me true mm -hmm. he makes me real and genuine so that i don't feel compelled to say i swear to you mom but simply no i did not break it mm -hmm. uh, and i think that the the true evidence that you know the, the proof of the tasting is in the pudding is if my child knowing that she will get in trouble if she says yes i i did push my little sister and you know that's how she bumped her head she will actually say yes i pushed her mm -hmm. you know anaya doesn't lie to us not yet <laughs> <laughs> when when jenna comes and says um dad anaya just hit me and i'm going to ask anaya anaya did you hit your sister yeah <laughs> she has not yet learned that saying yes can get you in trouble and so I, I better say no mm -hmm. so from very little we, we condition ourselves to look at react to consequences rather than integrity what will this do to me and so we prefer to lie so that we can appear good but in that line to appear good we're making ourselves even worse right because we're deceiving ourselves exactly what you said in Jeremiah 17 9 the only person getting deceived in this whole scenario is yourself. Right. So what I what I see again here in scripture is, you know, Jesus is more worried about the the action and the action comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. um, he's more worried about the action than it is the the words, which is so uh What's where I want? It's that's important still today, right? We we still want to see, you know, people that are outside of the church. They want to see something different coming from the church. They want to see something different, not just words. They want to see different actions. Yeah. And so, again, this is where this is this is what Jesus is talking about, right? I want your actions to meet the words. You know, the there's a wonderful book that you know, if our listeners have not read it yet, it'd be good book to pick up and start going through is called the desire of ages of mm -hmm. course the scriptures you know don't, don't ever skip on that but definitely include this into your reading list there's an account in the bible where the chief priests and pharisees had sent a deployment of uh, soldiers from the temple the temple had their own little soldiers they had sent soldiers to arrest jesus and bring him back and when these soldiers get to where jesus was teaching uh, he was in the middle of teaching some things and so the soldiers were like let's not be rude let us finish what he's let, let us finish what he's saying and they just began to hear a little bit of what jesus was teaching and all of a sudden like wait wait i, I like this let's wait a second and so hours go by and they don't arrest him and in the end they go back without arresting him mm -hmm. and then when they go back without jesus the, the pharisees say uh where is he and their response is no man ever spake or spoke as this man has spoken right in the book, These Hour of Ages, it says that the reason no human could ever speak like Jesus spoke is because no human has ever lived like Jesus mm -hmm. lived. Our life is what gives strength to our words. Amen. Um, and so Jesus doesn't want our lives to be mere words, right. but actually a, a life that back up, backs up the words that I speak. 
Uh, and that that's where the impossibility lies. Mm-hmm. Because I can promise, you know, this young lady that I will be faithful, I will be committed. But Jesus just said, you know, if you look at another woman, you've just broken your vows. If, if um, you're, you're willing to bail out because things are starting to get a little bit too, too heated in the home, there's too much of whatever, and you're ready to pull the plug on this marriage uh, and call it a divorce, there, there's a reason behind that. And it's that your inability to live your life. I mean, we go back again and again to this realization. We can write beautiful songs and not live any of them up. And as a pastor, you know, God continually confronts the fact that I can preach a powerful sermon, but have a very weak life. Mm -hmm. A powerful sermon can only be powerful if my life backs it up with with the reality that what I am speaking, I am living. Mm-hmm. That's true. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're. It's absolutely true. Um, it makes me think of a uh, of a comedian who he was talking about how he was on an airplane and a soldier came on, and he was in first class, but the soldier was in um, in coach, and he was thinking about how wonderful it would be if he gave the soldier his seat in first class, and and he goes, I didn't do it. But I was so in love with the idea of doing it. I was such a good person in my head, you know. But the reality is, is that he, he, you know, what he was pointing out was, but I didn't do it. I'm not that good person. And, you know, again. I think the people laugh at it because they realize, oh, that's me too. That's me too, exactly. And it goes into the second part. I call it the second part of what Jesus is saying here, where he says, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. We have these we have these ideas in our heads that we love. We love the idea that we have, but to to actually apply them. Yeah, you know, my wife, uh, God's given us wives for a reason, right? <laughs> um, like my, my cholesterol, we talked about this, you know, the mm-hmm. health. And so I don't, I can't tell you how many times I've said, okay, I'm, I'm through with pizza forever. Right. <laughs> and Jesus would say, ah, oh, don't, don't swear even, you know, about giving up pizza. And so I'll go to Puerto Rico <clears throat> and my mother-in-law doesn't know anything about my vow mm-hmm. that, that I've told my wife, honey, no more pizza. <laughs> you know, I'll just put some dough with some uh, sauce and some roasted veggies. And, and I, I live with that because I have a two-year-old, I'm 45, I need to be around for a while. I don't want to up the risks of, you know, coronary heart disease. I produce enough bad cholesterol to, to kill a horse. I need to, I need to start making some changes. Mm-hmm. And so my mother-in-law will walk in with a nice, crispy, fresh pizza. <laughs> and she'll offer it to Daline, and Daline will say, no, no thank you, mom. Mm-hmm. But when she offers it to the one that made the promise, thank you. All right. <laughs> and then my wife's looking at me like, and I'm like, well, honey, you know, it's my mother-in-law. How could I say no to my mother-in-law? And so I feel bad as I eat the pizza, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm so weak. How can I? I just made this. And that, for me, is one of those reference points of what Jesus just said here. Why can't your yes be yes? Mm-hmm. Why can't your no be no? Because to, to live like this requires a continual dying to self. Right. To, to choose this is to choose a life of self-denial. Mm-hmm. Because the reason we break our promises is because of our sinful nature getting provoked in, and being tempted in choosing a path that either brings immediate gratification or somehow our, our other needs will be met. I mean, why do people commit adultery? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, my wife and I, we had discussions about some of the, the Spanish music stars. <clears throat> and so some would say, well, the reason a husband will commit adultery with his wife is because 
the wife is no longer attractive. You know, she started to get wrinkles, she started to maybe put on some weight, uh, she started to get gray hairs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I would challenge that because the people that we were talking about, there's this um, singer, Spanish singer called Mark Anthony. He was married to J Lo, Jennifer Lopez, which mm-hmm. is a singer, movie star, whatever, and uh, he cheated on her with a Miss Universe. Right. And then he cheated on Miss Universe with someone else. Right. So it's not beauty. It's not a, the lack of beauty. It's our inability to live our promises, mm-hmm. our inability to live our lives because of this sinful nature that requires a constant crucifixion, a constant denying of self. I was just reading that this morning from my personal devotions. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Right. And I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll Go ahead, go ahead, John. Uh, With that, I think of what Paul says in Romans where he says, uh, um, you know, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You know, uh, not to think so highly of yourself. Again, we can fool ourselves. This goes back to that that heart um, that we are... You know, you ask the question, why would somebody commit adultery? Well, because I deserve whatever's mis- whatever might be missing, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, uh, I deserve this. I deserve that. And this person over here is giving it to me for the moment. Uh, do do not think so highly of yourself. You know, not to not to let the heart fool you into these again these thoughts that you these wonderful thoughts that you have these wonderful things that you haven't done yet. Um, it goes back to what I think Christ is talking about with the oath, which is, uh, you know, if you don't think so highly of yourself, you'll come to me mm-hmm. and you'll allow me to work with you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right, exactly. It goes right back to blessed are the poor in spirit. Do not think so highly of yourself that you've got this figured out. You know, Christians have this problem too, right? First, we come to Christ because we need him and then we're here for a while and then we might forget that we need them so much because we're so perfect now, right? Uh, I, I can quote scripture now. Right, so I, exactly. I can I can quote scripture. I can do all those things. So I don't really need him anymore. We would never say that verbally. Now, here's the opposite. We wouldn't say that verbally. But that does become the thought sometimes. We Or we just kind of put it on the back burner, so if you will. Let's, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question, sure. John. So according to this teaching then, I'm a pastor and I'm going to be marrying couples. Mm-hmm. You know, I have married couples and I will be marrying couples. So I should tell the groom, I don't care how much you, you, you promise stuff to her. Without Jesus, you won't be able to keep a single one of those promises. Absolutely. Is that a true statement? That, that is a true statement. And you know, yeah. romance is against love. The secular romance is mm-hmm. against love because secular romance is all about... It's inside of you. You just have to find it, really strengthen it or strain at it. Right. But eventually you will be able to be that knight in shining armor, you know, for this young lady and vice versa. Marriage should be approached with deep distrust. People that are ready for marriage are people that have learned the lesson that, man, I'm about to enter into one of the most um, demanding relationships, no matter how perfect this individual is, you know, Mm -hmm. for me. We're still sinful human beings, and there will be clashes and differences of opinions. Uh, am I ready for this? And the answer should be no. And that's a safe start. Right. <laughs> to say, I don't feel, you know, I feel that I need more of God now than I ever did in my life. Those individuals are actually more prepared for marriage than individuals that say, I've never loved someone like this before. She is so wonderful. He is the most wonderful. No, he's not. 
you know, he is a nice person. He, I'm sure he has wonderful qualities that, that could be affirmed and recognized, but he's not a perfect person like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a book called Adventist Home, which is also a good book for <laughs> listeners to be listening or reading. And that this one sentence stuck to me for many years as a single person, which says, the human heart yearns for human love, but that love is not strong enough, pure enough, nor lasting enough. Mm-hmm. Only the love of Jesus can satisfy our hearts. Mm-hmm. So I found this, we long for human love, but yet the only love that can truly satisfy me is the one that I get from Jesus. And if I put Jesus on the side, you know, as an emergency God, my spare tire God, and I come into marriage thinking my love will be sufficient to satisfy this person, I will always leave that person wanting more. And that person will always leave me feeling like I haven't received everything I wish I had received. Mm -hmm. And it's not because that person is faulty or is that person intentionally denying that to me or me denying to that person is that it's just not in us. Mm -hmm. God is love and I am not God. And that's what, you know, again, that's what we keep going over and over, going back to over and over again is that the reason that we do trust Christ is because he is telling us the truth, Mm -hmm. right? He is that foundation of truth where, you know, everything we can, Again, we can promise, we and we can have the best intentions in mind. I mean it. Yeah, and we 100%. can really mean it that, that Peter, day. Peter said, Jesus, even if I have to go to prison, even if I have to die for you. Right. He meant every single word he said, right. but he could not keep the promise. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of this in, in today's uh, world, too, where, again, we're told to not think so highly of ourselves and to uh, uh, our yeses be yes and our noes be no. And... You know, in this day and age of, of, of uh, social media and how things get so blown up and we, you know, we've, we've had several examples just recently of what we think is the truth mm-hmm. and then we find out, wait, there was a whole nother story altogether. Yeah. And um, it, it really, when it comes to this, I think as human beings, with these deceitful hearts of ours, we really have to be careful when we take these sides on things and when we exaggerate. Because that's another thing, you know. Oh, you've yeah. talked about, you know, I swear to God. You know, that we've heard that so many times now that it has no meaning. That's right. It has zero meaning to us. Just the same as the word, you know, I love you. You know, uh, the same person that can say I love you can look at a hamburger and say the exact same thing. It's lost all of its meaning now. Um and not because of lack of vocabulary. Right. I think it's just we, we have watered down our lives because we are watered down inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that my words mean nothing. So be, even to express appreciation for a burger, I feel like I need to <laughs> use right. such strong language because it really doesn't mean as much as it should be. Um, and you spoke about you know thinking of yourself right. more highly. Ermory Columbus, Ohio, sitting with a young man, very successful Hispanic young man. Uh, he owned... Uh, several construction companies, um, very well off. And he, he said he needed to meet with me. And with tears in his eyes, he told me this very, very sad story how he is deeply in love with two women. Mm. And he couldn't make up his mind between the two. And when he was with the, with the one, oh, I'm, she's the right one. She's the right one. And, and, and I'm supposed to be with her. But then he, when he would be with the other one, no, 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 she's the one that I love. And he was like, Pastor, I feel like there's so much love inside of me that I can, I, can, I can love two women, but I'm not sure what do you think. I said, uh, I don't think you love either one of them. 
I think the only person you love in this equation is yourself. All right. That was the last time we met. <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking at this man thinking, really, what do you think love is? Mm-hmm. For him, love is anyone that satisfies me, anyone that I can evaluate and discern they will meet some of my needs. And I'm sure that this woman met some of his needs, whatever they may be. She cooked really good or she was very intelligent. The other one may have been very industrious or have pretty hair. I don't know. Right, I didn't right. meet that many. But love really is you meet my needs. You satisfy me. And so I will promise things to you that I'm not willing to keep, keep with the intent of you satisfying my needs. And to enter marriage in that condition, you know, what Jesus is speaking about, uh, yes, this person will fail at meeting your needs, so you will be tempted with adultery. Mm-hmm. And it may not even be sexual adultery. It may just be intellectual, emotional, uh, whatever. There's so many dimensions to ourselves that people can commit a, a adultery without even having sexual desires. You know, it's just this person is so much smarter than my husband. He is so much more noble than my husband. My husband is so simple. He's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. All those promises are made with selfish motives behind it. Mm. Until the heart is changed, even the reasons why we make the promises are self-seeking. You know, the children of Israel made promises to God because they wanted the promised land. Peter and the disciples made promises to Jesus because they wanted to be in the kingdom as the top officials. And James and John wanted to be the right, the right and the left. They, they, all the promises and commitments that they could make to Jesus were all based, predicated on selfish motives, and they all failed. Right. And what is the, what is the foundation of uh, Jesus's promises? Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. I mean, I was just reading that. You know, um, Matthew chapter sixteen, um, where it says, and then Jesus began to show them that he must suffer things beyond at the hand of the elders, be killed, and be raised up. And verse twenty-two, Peter rebukes Jesus and mm. says to him. <laughs> God forbid it, Lord, that this should never happen to you. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's things or God's interest, but man's interest. Immediately after that, Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Mm. Jesus was not afraid of the cross. That's, that's how he revealed his love. Right. And you know, the cross really is the promise God made way back in Genesis 3.15. So God made a promise, he kept his promise. Right. And his promise was with the substance of, um, I'm gonna sacrifice myself. So as we are making promises to each other, as we are seeking to relate to others affirmation, Know that it will require a cross. Know that it will require you to deny yourself, to say no, especially when it comes to making promises to Jesus. And what needs to die is your self-reliance, mm-hmm. your reliance that you can. Come to Jesus just as you are, broken and needy, and say to Jesus, I will, I need you in my life today. I need you to keep the words that I speak because you can change my heart so that my life matches my words. I want a heart like that, John. Amen. I want a heart that, that speaks of Jesus and that requires a cross. And I love the cross that changes my heart.